And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Now it is my pleasure to announce that we're getting the band back together. <laughs> Hi, Keith. How are you today? It's my old friend, Eric Carabell. Follow him on Twitter at Carabelle Eric. I'm good. You? I can't complain. It's yeah. Sunny day. There's baseball on. I'm okay. You uh, enjoying Olympic baseball? Have you watched every pitch? Not every pitch. I wasn't yeah. up at 6 a.m. But I am. I am kind of enjoying it. I, I think you're probably saying that in a in a, in a not enjoyable. I have not way. watched any. I have I'm not. sure you haven't. But uh, I, that doesn't seem bunch like, of old like, guys. Well, you know, not all of them. Shane Baz is not old, and yeah, uh, Nick Allen's not old, and the kid who keeps hitting homers, Tristan Cassis. Um, it, it's a nice mix of old mm-hmm. and young. And I kind of like it. I do. David Robertson got the save the other day. You remember him. Yeah. Uh, Edwin, Edwin Jackson blew a game the other day. I saw you that. Him? Yep. <laughs> I saw the, the gold news. I did not actually watch the game. Yeah. I also have this thing where I don't want the United States to win. Like I don't want the United States to win the world baseball classic either. That sport's already popular here, right? That's not doing anything for the game. Right. I want, what was it the dominican really? republic one time and then i was like that's awesome right that is great for the sport uh right? you're not, not rooting like, for us no you know? i am not wrapped i'm not currently wearing my american flag underwear okay well that that was too much information <laughs> don't, don't finish that one but they're hanging on the laundry line out but the clothes line out in the backyard so okay i i keep it classy yeah, well <laughs> sometimes i'm rooting for the americans to win they'll be very excited Good for Mike Sosha and Edwin Jackson and Tristan Casas, but yes. you don't have to watch. That's okay. You can no, watch I the won't. Phillies or the Mets or these underachieving teams yes. that are far and, less exciting. And, uh, you know, go ahead. And watching uh, skateboarders younger than my daughter win Olympic medals. That's cool. Yeah, it was very cool, actually. Uh, so you're Phillies, man. I feel oh, like we no. have to have a Phillies no, break session. We don't have to. You want to do it later? They're, well, you know, you want to get me angry first or in a half hour? I, they're, they're... I, do, I do enjoy getting you worked up. Well, you know, that'll do it. Um, can we not? Like, look, any 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 infield grounder hits to the left side, trouble. Anytime, <laughs> anytime the bullpen gets called, trouble. Trouble. Travis Jankowski's leading off, trouble. Mm-hmm. Um you know, half the team doesn't believe in the vaccine trouble. Like I, oh, yeah. I got problems, um, but you know, the Mets are no better. I still think Atlanta wins the division, but not with 90 wins anymore. And um, you know, and they're a mess too, to some degree. So half a lineup. So it's, it's, it's fun that the NL East is a race because you know, the two central divisions are over. Right. And this no, wild cards. that's it. And we've got Tampa, Boston. Maybe the Yankees make a run. You got three teams in the NL West. But in a general sense, this is the best race, even though the teams are very flawed. Yes, I completely agree. I actually find it um, sort of 
amusing probably sounds a little too malicious, but that, you know, the <laughs> Phillies had the wor- what the worst bullpen in history last year in a 60 game sample. So it's, it's not really the same. They shuffled some pieces around and the bullpen is not the worst in history, but it's still bad. Right. It's yeah. just still not very good. And I feel like this is the culmination of years of just, they just didn't develop any pitching. They just didn't draft good well on the pitching side and they did not develop pitching. And that's where a lot of your better relievers come from. It's the failed starters. It's the, the guys who just, yeah, we were going to give up on them and put them in the bullpen. Suddenly you're throwing 98. They haven't had any of those. Well, when you waste your first round pick every year, it's tough to kind of build a good farm system. And, um, you know, I mean, even Alec Bohm looks like a bad pick now. So he, he looks terrible this season, offensively and defensively. Noel is at least a decent pitcher, although his ERA is rather high. But you're right. And they he's don't not build- vaccinated. No, I heard that because it's a personal choice. Personal oh choice. It's a bad choice. Um, I'll say this, you know, they're still contending, but like the bullpen. I, I mean, Jose Alvarado walks a guy every inning, mm-hmm. uh, throws one to the backstop. It's going to be, it's going <laughs> to be hard. I think unless you're hitting the Durham bull, it's bad. It's uh it's hard to consistently win this way. Now they're having a good week against Washington entering Thursday, but Washington, you know, gave up half their team last week. So you know, I, it's it's ugly baseball. Uh, I want them to win. I want the USA to win. I don't know what you root for, dude, but I'm I I would like to see the Phillies <laughs> in the playoffs because once you get in, you know, anybody pitches Zach Wheeler can steal you a game. Nola, Kyle Gibson. You know, let's let's trade for the most extreme ground ball pitcher for the worst infield defense <laughs> in modern history. That, what can go wrong? I can't Nothing. see anything go wrong. Nothing. Next. No. Great plan. <laughs> So what do you think of that Scherzer-Turner deal? To me, it's – I'm even falling for it, right? It's the Max Scherzer trade. To me, it's more the, oh, yeah. the Trey Turner trade. Well, I, it told me a couple of things. Um, you know, th- they're willing to give up any prospect to win again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also told me they're not getting uh, their, their right-handed pitcher that's in trouble. They're not getting him back this season, the $40 yep. million dollar man. Yep. Uh, I, don't, I don't like saying names of people don't, who did wrong. Please don't. Um, I, you know, and also – I'm not sure they're getting their lefty Hall of Famer back because while I don't read into the Cole Hamill signing too much, I don't know if Kershaw's coming back. So Scherzer might be game two and they might be back on short rest. So I, I like what they did. You're right. Trey Turner playing second base is not ideal, um, but he also could play some center field and Mookie Betts could play second base. It, 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 they have the best team in baseball still. They may not mm-hmm. have the best record. They may have to play a one game playoff against San Diego or Cincinnati to get to the next round. But they're still the team to beat. And Scherzer in any playoff game. I mean, Scherzer and Bueller, that's fantastic. Completely agree. I actually, it's funny. I had heard, I don't know how much you'd heard this. I'm sure you'd run into Kiebert Ruiz at some point. I know you'd go out to Arizona from time, like for first pitch and stuff. And I actually had never seen Kiebert Ruiz bad, but I talked to scouts who didn't really like, uh, especially the catching. And there was always this sense. It's like Dodgers try and trade him. Dodgers try and trade him. He was always the one. And that does worry me when a team is constantly putting a, a kid, even a talented kid on the block. Oh God, am I missing something? Is there something I don't know? But he was unbelievable in AAA this year and he's still young and he never strikes out. And I've personally seen the power. Like, I don't care if he's not a very good catcher, if it's not pretty behind the plate, if he can just sit there, just be like a pillar of salt behind the plate and the ball just bounces off his chest and hit like he hit in AAA. That's a pretty good get for the nationals for especially when you consider the limited time, uh, service time remaining of the players they gave up. 
I think he did well. I mean, I, I do like Hebert, but I, I you know, look, catchers, they're different, man. You never know. I thought yeah. Francisco Mejia was going to be an all-star, and now I yeah. don't. Still waiting. Um, still, still waiting. There's still time, yeah. right? Every team keeps moving them on. I'm sure Tampa will yep. do the same. Uh, Josiah Gray looks like an extreme fly ball guy, but that's okay. You know, Verlander gave up 30 home runs a season, Scherzer, and they still were great. I think Gray is going to be a potential ace, but it's interesting to me how, how much Washington and the Cubs had to tear this down. It, yeah. Like that, there is so much pressure on them to do this. Like, mm-hmm. or if you can't win it all, and they did win it all, like I still I would take that flag for winning a World Series if you have to throw it away. I mean, I'm sure most franchises, Cleveland would take that, Houston would take that. Um, it's just you know, Houston did take that. I mean, like, I, I I think Washington did well. I think the Cubs did well. I think they had to do well, and they've proven to their fans that just wait two or three more years, and we'll be do well again. Good for them. I especially like what the Cubs did, by the way. I know that a lot of Cubs fans are very angry. I see it on the Twitters and I get it, but also those guys were all free agents. The Cubs could turn around and re-sign any of those guys they wanted to, right? The Rickets may not want to because they're too busy holding, um, you know, $1,000 a plate fundraising dinners for for <laughs> politicians who I will just say with whom I do not agree on fundamental issues, but Fair. they could do so. They absolutely could re-sign multiple of the players they traded away. But in their current situation where major league teams just not that good, it makes sense to trade all of those guys and try to reload with some prospects. And I like the way that they went after some you know, ready now or very close to it guys like Nick Madrigal or Caleb Killian, I think it's going to help them pretty soon. And, but maybe don't have a huge ceiling, but then on the other hand, went for some lower level prospects who are farther from the majors, but definitely have more upside like the Kevin Alcantara, who I just find endlessly interesting because he was in the GCL a couple of years ago at 16. And now he went from looking like a boy. Now he looks like a man and he's performing again. Like that to me, the, the whole approach to get some high floor guys, get some high ceiling guys, sort of smush them all together. And it looks like a complete farm system. I really like what Hoyer and company did. I agree. I think they did a nice job. I'm not the biggest fan of Nick Madrigal because I know he has no power. Same. So there's a limited upside there, but I think they're building something in a couple of years. Brennan Davis, who hit the homers in the futures game, looks yeah. like a future guy, you know, like who could hit 30 home runs in the major leagues. And this is kind of what, this is what like 500 teams like the Phillies never get. You have to tear it down at some point and build that farm system and yep. evaluate properly or else you're never going to get back to it. You can't buy your way out with free agents like Real Muto and Harper and Wheeler. It doesn't work that way. You have no mm-hmm. depth, no bench, no bullpen of failed starters. Cubs will have that. So I think Cubs and Nationals within two or three years are going to be contenders again if some of these guys work out. And good for them. And I want to yep. see Seattle do the same thing. Seattle's already done it, and now they have a great farm system. And in two years, you know, it's good young pitching. It's a great outfield. Mm-hmm. Marte, if he sticks a shorter third, I mean – that's going to be a, a team to watch. I like the Mariners. Yep. Now it's interesting to me to contra- contrast that with somebody asked me in a my my uh, reader chat about the Orioles rebuild so far. Oh, you, no. you know what? What's really killed them more than anything is when those when the new regime walked in the door, all the veterans were traded. They've really not had much opportunity to trade good players approaching free agency and get a bunch of prospects in return unless they wanted to go out there and maybe put john means out there which i don't think they even entertained they haven't had a chance to trade for prospects and because the club has been absent from the international market for so long it's basically just drafts 
and how you can't speed that process up. And I think that's, that's really holding them back. Whereas if they'd gotten there sooner, maybe been able to trade Manny Machado, maybe this is in, you know, a couple other guys who were traded that year, maybe it's a different conversation. Yeah. They're not building properly. Uh, they, they've been cheap. Uh, that's part of it. They evaluate poorly. Even if Adley Rushman is the next Buster Posey and he very mm-hmm. well may be he's really value, good. Yeah. He's awesome. I don't see the, I mean, they have some young pitching, maybe Hessen Kerstad becomes a, a guy in the corner outfield, but I don't see enough in their farm system. And I don't see enough of the majors that will stick around like the giants had, but I don't trust them to do it right. Anyway, there's a handful of teams in baseball that just, they just make wrong decisions all the time. Mm-hmm. We should stop expecting them to start making the right decisions. They're just not doing it. And that's one of those teams. That's one of the, that's a poorly run franchise. I'm sorry. Well, they need more scouts too. They're one of the clubs that went, they, the um, cut the scouting staff, they actually did it. So I believe before the pandemic in the first place, and they have not replaced. It's one thing if you say, well, we need to turn the staff over and have different people and get new voices. Yeah. Or, they have not done so. And I'm just, and I know those guys, the Orioles, they're very, very smart people. But same time, I think the clubs that are trying to do this without scouts are maybe seeing some limitations of the approach. I don't want to say that they're actually seeing the consequences because I don't think that it's gotten that it's that strong, but I know of, isolated examples here and there of these teams getting players and realizing, Oh, we missed, you know, factor X. We missed this one thing right. that we might've known if we'd had say an amateur scout who did the work on his makeup, or if we had a pro scout who'd sat there for five days and could say, Oh, the player doesn't do this particular thing. Well, um, and I think that holds them back. I think it's hurt the Astros too. I think the Astros are in a similar boat and it's why their system major league clubs very good, but their system remains, I would say very close to the bottom because primarily because of the lack of lack of scouts. I agree. And I think you see it with certain teams and ownership. You and I both know people that have worked in front offices and their voice was not heard, maybe even yours, in a front office. And it's because of ownership, people at the top. Colorado's a joke right now. So, oh, yes. you know, like, I mean, if you want to start with poorly run franchises, you start there. It's hard. Houston has a window with these players right now where they can win another world series in the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not building. So in two or three years, they're going to do what the Cubs and the nationals are going to have to do. And Milwaukee might be the same way. Milwaukee can win right now, three aces, two great relief pitchers. And if Yelich starts to hit again, Milwaukee can win the world series, but yep. there's no farm system. So in two or three years, they're the Cubs and the nationals too. So it's interesting how it evolves in baseball like this. We'll get no to other the, sport is like it. I'll put the, put a pin in the brewers for the moment too. Yeah. What, Colorado. Oh my goodness. And, and, you know, I have heard what everyone has heard, right? There's just so much dysfunction. People who've left there, especially. Yes. Um, it is. And it comes down to the owner. Ultimately, I do not put this on Bill Schmitz, the interim GM. There's a longtime scouting director. I think he was basically just handed a pile. Yes. Just make something out of this. He's, you know, Bill's a great scout. He's not a magician. And ultimately the fact that ownership appears to have not enabled him and not empowered him to trade Trevor's story, it's just now it's just a missed opportunity to me, especially when you saw some of the, oh, there was all this trade activity. Lots of good prospects were, were changing teams and the Rockies just sat the whole thing out. I mean, if I'm a Rockies fan, I am just not even angry, just completely disillusioned at this point, wondering like, why am I supporting this team if the ownership won't do the bare minimum to try to keep this team competitive? They could have had the, the Dodgers package back. You know, you trade Story and Herman Marquez. You could have mm-hmm. had that package back. Look, some teams in baseball are not in it to win. They're in it for money. It's a business to them. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. And I understand that side of this as well. You don't have to win in order to make money in baseball. There's revenue sharing. There's a new collective bargaining coming up. Lots of things change. Maybe they're waiting for that. Baltimore, Colorado, a couple other franchises. It's just, it's tough being a fan of some of these teams. Um, you know, the team I root for won a world, won two world series in my lifetime. I'm happy about that. I don't <laughs> think they're in any position to win one anytime soon, but it's entertainment to me. I'm not sure it's so entertaining to Orioles and Rockies fans right now. And that's a tough thing. So it's interesting. I made a comment like you did on the Brewers sort of nearing the end of a competitive window. And a couple of Brewers fans said, are we really? Because our pitching staff is young, should be yes. together. That rotation should be together for a while. And the one thing I really give them credit for is they have rebuilt that lineup um, to be, it's a, whatever you'd call it, the defensive unit is this is a great fielding team now. They've gone from a, from you know, a team that was largely built sort of the, um, you know, let's just get high on base percentage guys and try to get, and obviously they tried to launch angle a lot of guys, which is, you know, has helped from science. They got some players who already had that. And then they got, you know, took a Keston Hyura and I would argue they ruined him by trying to make him a launch angle guy. But if you look at the pitching staff, you look at the core of the lineup and who's signed for the long-term and who's going to be there for several more years, they should at the very least be a really good run prevention club for a couple more years. So despite the fact, I agree with you, the farm system is still in pretty bad shape and it's going to take time to rebuild it. And they may not even take the time, right? They may just keep trading guys out of there to try to keep the big league club competitive, which is what you do with a farm system. But maybe it's not just this year and, and then they kind of hit the wall. Maybe they can keep this rolling for another year or two. Well, I mean, you're assuming that the big three starting pitchers and the bullpen guys stay healthy. Stay and healthy. Obviously, yeah. with elbow injuries and even shoulders now, I'm seeing just as many shoulder injuries coming off the truncated season last year yeah. as I am elbows. The yep. shoulders just can't handle this. Di Scofani yesterday. So I think, you know, they, they got to be careful with some of this. But I do think the Brewers, the key to the Brewers right now is Yelich and his back injury. When he comes yep. back from the COVID list, if, he's, if he can hit, that's an offense. I mean, Willie Adamas has been a totally different player. I never expected this. It's been amazing. Yes. Fantastic. And Escobar is a professional hitter. Um, you know, Hura couldn't play defense well, he has paid, anywhere. So therefore he is a professional hitter. They're all professional hitters. I think you know what I mean. Okay, Keith, but the announcers these days. You've been doing like, this too long. Uh, scrappy guy. Yeah. She's scrappy because he doesn't have any power. That's what you mean. You have um, the clutch team, Carabelle. Oh my goodness. Seattle with the clutchest team ever. Yes. I think they're. My goodness. Um, I feel like he stole that take from Joe Sheehan, but I'm glad it's getting more visibility. Uh, and by the way, buy his newsletter. I, I think uh, Milwaukee can win now. And I think they have a couple of years, but any injuries to the big, it, it's an all or nothing pitching staff to some yeah. degree. So they, they need help from those guys. Whereas other teams like the Dodgers can probably get away with some injuries, suspensions and the like, but I, I you know, Tampa probably could, but I don't know if, uh, I don't know if Milwaukee can. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. So uh, shifting gears a little bit and to, I guess, one of the sadder headlines, uh, you're probably about my age-ish. I'm 29, man. I don't know about you. I think he's older than I am. No way, man. You look older than I do. So I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to argue that, too. I'm in, you have, I'm in the best shape of my life, dude. Okay. Do you have uh, uh, that's that might actually be true? Uh, <laughs> uh, you have memories of J.R. Richard, yeah. Who passed I away thought on, you, uh, yeah, they would have won that 1980 World Series. I'm mm. convinced, not my Phillies. I mean, J.R. Richard, people don't people go go Google him, look up a yeah. baseball reference. That guy was a 300 strikeout monster. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was better than Nolan Ryan. Okay, nobody believes that, but he was, no, but he was. He, and then the stroke happened in, in 1980 in the middle of the season, and it changed. Uh, Houston still won that division barely, but I think they would have won. I mean, look what it took for the Phillies to win the best five-game series ever in the playoffs mm-hmm. just to get there. Um, yes, J.R. Richard was a magician on the mound, tall, threw hard, uh, amazing pitcher. He, he passed today. He'll be missed. Um, it was a shame. It's like, look, careers, you have to enjoy them while they just like, you know, hug your kids, we say all the time. You have to enjoy them while they're happening because you never know when they're going to change. And unfortunately, it was a stroke that changed his, uh, the trajectory of his career and his life. Yes, it, it's I remember I actually probably have more clear memories of him trying to pitch after he came back from yeah. the stroke and he was and just a shell. Yeah. No, of course. And it was it, I mean, it's a terrible story across the line, right, where he was not feeling well and they just clearly didn't take him seriously. Thought yeah. he was soft, uh, which is almost hilarious when you look at pictures of J.R. Richard at the time. Right. No one was calling him soft to his face, I'm sure. No, no. Um, he was throwing my recollection is he was throwing upper nineties at a time when nobody was throwing upper nineties. We're so inured to that at this point. It's like, whatever at 97, that's average, but he was doing it at a time where nobody was doing it and was like you said, missing bats at, at, you know, near top of the league rates. And I think had, you know, was there a little something extra from the intimidation factor? Cause he was just physically so large. Did it get, make him more deceptive? I'd actually be curious to hear hitters from the era recall facing him prior to the stroke, but he was incredibly exceptional for his time. I wonder if that means he wasn't going to last anyway. Was his arm eventually going to cause to have trouble because just nobody, very few people throw that hard for very long, but Either way, what he was at the time was, you know, he looked like he was going to win a Cy Young Award. Like you say, he looked like he was going to help lead the Astros to a World Series. He was an outlier in kind of the best possible way for his time. It was fantastic. And you're right. Hall of Fame trajectory. It took him a little while to get going, kind of like it did Randy Johnson. He had years, years of walks and a lot, a lot of runs. But in 1980, he was having a magnificent season. Mm-hmm. And what it ended, ERA was 190 that year with more than a strikeout per inning. And kids... No one Ryan was a striking out a runner, a batter for inning. Nobody yep. was doing it. A batter for inning. <laughs> Carlton wasn't, you know, Seaver. So J.R. Richard really was an anomaly at the time, not for this time currently, but you know, back then people didn't throw as hard as they could every pitch. They were like Bob Nepper, you know, and, right. and uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Negro brothers, it was different well, there time. Was, you know, the eight hitter, sometimes the seven hitter in a lineup was a Hunters. guy who might be in there, right. He was in there for his defense. He looked like me. 
right? There was there, you know, you had points in the lineup. I think this was probably true into the nineties, at least. I don't know where the switch flipped, but where there were points in the opposing lineup where, okay, well, I can take it easy for a few batters here because these guys just aren't, they're nowhere near as good. The first five, six the lineup that was six deep was a great lineup. Well, that, even that, and Larry Bow and Chris Spire were batting second. You remember oh, that's those the days. other thing. Yes. The, the right. number two hitter was a bunter. Mm-hmm. He was just supposed to bunt and not strike out. And, you know, if you stole a base and batted 250, they were happy yeah. with that. They, I need a time machine. Can I go oh. back and right? I might make like. The, I know the, it wasn't the, better right? baseball then, but I loved it. You know, I, I, <laughs> I did. That's what I grew up on. That's what you grew up on. Like, yeah. it was so much fun. And then there was Monday Night Baseball and. And you're like the all-star game mattered to me, at least I love to see the introductions always watched it in the eighties. Yeah. It was, it was a great time for baseball mm-hmm. in the eighties, you know, and then stolen bases. It was lots of action. The Cardinals teams yep. you know, with Vince and it was just look, baseball today is a lot different. You know, I, I want to see pitchers go deeper into games. I think they can, I want to see better defense. I think they can <laughs> defend. I don't like seeing teams with nine man bullpens. The Phillies of like 1977 used five relief pitchers and five starters. That's it. Yeah, That's all right. they used. Right. It's amazing. I miss stolen bases. That is the number one thing I miss about baseball today versus baseball when I was a kid. The idea of somebody stealing. I mean, it is unthinkable that somebody would steal 100 bases now, right? Oh, it's just not a thing. How about 50? 50 Trey is a Turner, lot. Trey yeah. Turner doesn't even want to try 50 now or Mondesi. He can't stay right. on the field enough. I mean, Starling Marte has 14 steals over the past 30 days. I know this because of my other job. And nobody else in baseball <laughs> has more than seven. So Starling Marte has gone to Oakland and he's running wild. And I say, good for him. He's in his 30s. That's fun. That's fun baseball. Oakland's Absolutely. fun. Yeah. Yes. But it is frustrating to me because I understand from an analytical perspective. I mean, I wrote a book where I talked about this why we don't steal as much and hitters runners should be stealing less often. That's absolutely your, or should have been stealing less often than they were back in that era, but that didn't make it not fun, right? It was really fun to know, especially Ricky Henderson or mm-hmm. Tim Raines and later Vince Coleman, but it was tra- Henderson and Raines were actually on base a lot. Vince Coleman was not as much. And there, but there would be other guys. There'd be like Ron LaFleur, right. Who comes from, jail prison yes yeah and then is stealing 60 or 70 bases in the big leagues those guys would get on base and you were on the edge of your seat was he gonna run is he gonna you know he's gonna run but which pitch is he gonna run and if he runs do they even have any chance to catch him now i just looked i had to look it up do you know how many stolen bases leads the majors right now Marte is second 27 he has 27 28 because Witt stole one last night with but with freaking merrifield has 28 stolen bases what's wrong with that 30 year old guys running wild by the way, you wrote a book. I didn't hear that. Did you ever tweet that out? Because I haven't, I haven't seen evidence that you, you I wrote a book. I might have mentioned it. I do not have two copies behind me right now because I'm in a okay. different, yeah, different house. Oh, um, okay. That's yeah. that's what must be. Okay. One, I, I two, wasn't three, sure. four, five guys have stolen twenty bases so far this year. That's pathetic. Because they, because and and they're blaming the analytical movement of which we buy into because they think yeah. that the only way it could be successful is if you're, you know successful on a stolen base like 80% of the time. A lot of guys can do that. I mean, Gregory Polanco was 13 out of 13. Mm -hmm. If he was only on a good team and he could hit and stay healthy. He could hit, yeah. But other than that. But yes, I I don't think the guys who would steal bases today can't get on the field because they have no power. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to play who's that little center fielder for Kansas City and Pittsburgh. You don't want to play that a guy like that every day Mm -hmm. um, because he has no power whatsoever. Like Terrence Gore. and Yeah, a guy like that. Those guys in the 80s would have been Vince Coleman today. Oh, yeah, Terrence Gore would have made a lot of money relative to his time period in the 80s. And now he's 
like a 26th man, basically 27. I mean, Jared Dyson used Jared to be Dyson, a guy. Yes. Yeah. That's the guy I was thinking of who would steal 75 bases a year. He would have been Omar Moreno. Yeah. But oh, back gosh. then nice they didn't care that Omar Moreno didn't get on base. All they wanted to do was steal bases when he got on. Now right. it's flipped. I'd like to see some, something in the middle there, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, my, it's been a while since they did this math, but when I was with the Jays, I did some work to try to figure out what was the real break-even point um, for stolen bases, because it's not just safer out at second, right? Sometimes if you are safe at second, you also get to advance to third because of an errant throw. Um, And so, and also Tristan, obviously if you're safe at third and there's an errant throw, you score, right? There are, there's, there are other possible outcomes. This is true for bunting too. It's why bunting is, bunting is still bad, but it maybe is not quite as bad as a very sort of back of the envelope calculation might show. But in the case of stolen bases, at the time, it was probably about 70%. I said, if we had anybody who was stealing at a better than 70% rate, we should probably let them keep doing it. Now, if we had anybody stealing at less than that, you know, it's an eyesore at that point. And they should be pulled. It should be like a gong show thing, right? We're just like literally pulling them off, off the field. But I would be fine with teams, more teams saying, hey, anybody who can steal at a 70% rate, you're off. You have the green light until you show that you can't do that anymore. Did you and see then, on um, on Wednesday, Matt Carpenter, who, who you and I could both beat in a race, Matt yes. Carpenter stole third base against Chris Martin of the Atlanta because he wasn't looking. He couldn't wow. have cared less. And there was only one out. Right. Okay? That's so, a cold play right there. Carpenter, who was a pinch hitter, singles, and then and then Edmund walks, and then they did a double steal. And then the next guy hit a lazy fly ball to center, and that's a sacrifice fly, and that would not have been a run. Now, they won the game anyway. But St. Louis stole a run there because mm-hmm. the pitcher pitchers don't even care if you run anymore. And still nobody's running. That's yes, amazing. I saw that. Too. God, who was it? It wasn't Greg Jones. So Bowling Green, the Rays high affiliate was here in Wilmington. And I went Tuesday night and, oh, it wasn't Greg Jones. It was one of the hitters behind him. But he realized the pitcher was just paying, the Wilmington pitcher was paying zero attention. And he just took off for second. He was more than halfway from first to second before somebody finally yelled step off. And then at that point, the pitcher, you know, is sort of like woken from his reverie, right? Turns around and just misses the target. He threw so wide to second base. Like you had him. And he threw so wide to second base that the runner was still safe at that point. Nearly pulled the, nearly ended up throwing it into center and giving him third base, like the scenario I was just describing. Because, you know, I think a part of it is that it, it has built on itself, right? Runners don't run. And therefore, teams don't work as much with pitchers or catchers, particularly pitchers, at holding runners on. Also, I could see the argument that holding runners on is a secondary part of the pitcher's job. You got other things to work on. But then the less that they work at holding runners on, you would think that the success rate to run would probably go up of running would probably go up. Now, this was an extreme example. But if pitchers aren't really holding runners on anymore, we should see more stolen bases. And we're not. I'm looking at the leaders right now, stabbing my computer screen. It's not happening. Where have all the stolen bases gone? Well, because they all want to be power hitters. The the salary structure in Major League Baseball, Hmm. you have to strike out hitters and you have to hit home runs. It doesn't matter almost if you, you know, have a low batting average, Joey Gallo is going to get paid. The fact Mm -hmm. is hitting home runs is more important than stealing bases. And Starling Marte and Whit Merrifield are not known in baseball. So it tells you all you need to know. Mondesi could have been a transcendental, a tra- you know, a, a, a star if he could just stay <laughs> on the- Transcendental? 
That's the word I'm looking that for. Guy. <laughs> Did you go to Harvard or Yale? I can't remember. I and I think that would have been, Montessi would have been a lot of fun for baseball today, but we're not, we're not getting that. So yes. I, I'm looking forward to him returning and stealing 15 bases in September for a team that's under 500. It'll still be good base, baseball to watch. Yes. Well, if Montessi had a better approach at the plate, any approach. I mean, it's, that is, I have a whole, that's, I mean, I've had history with Mondesi since he was here in 13 or 14 in Wilmington and just kept saying, you know, that he was trying to bunt and trying to find other, trying to hit the ball on the ground, just any way to get him on base, but via the batted ball, instead of actually working on, I mean, no, 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 work the count, you yes. can draw some walks and then you run like hell. No. You can't do it. I mean, give credit. Look, I'm sure you've talked about Otani on every podcast, but he's stealing bases. He's yes, among yes. the league leaders in stolen bases, whereas the injured guy making all the money on his team. And Mike Trout's awesome. Best player in baseball. Mike mm-hmm. Trout doesn't steal bases anymore. And it's because I think he doesn't want to get hurt or because sure. he doesn't need to steal bases. Yep. But Otani is going to end up with like 45 home runs and 25 stolen bases, like a modern day Eric Davis, you know, in reverse. And it's just that's a lot of fun. Otani's the most watchable player in baseball right now because he does yes. everything. Literally. Yes. <laughs> well, he plays a little. I don't know if fearless is quite quite the right word, but he plays without regard to, you know, this idea that, oh, don't do that. You might hurt yourself. Well, he's breaking barriers. Basically, he doesn't do batting practice. He's he's doing it his own way. And everyone's expecting him to get hurt because he's pitching and hitting. And I'm hoping to God he doesn't get hurt because he's the he's the best player right now in baseball. And the most most influential. And look, if Trout and Rendon had stayed healthy, maybe the Angels could have made a run at the wild card. It's really kind of sad what happened to that team because we want to see the Angels in the playoffs. Absolutely. You know, even if Dylan Bundy starts game two of the series. But I, you know, now right. they're not <laughs> they're not making the playoffs for a long time. They have no pitching. No, no. no. And Rendon being out for the season now after yeah. hip start. I mean, he was awful this year. You know, he was as good as he was last year. He was just atrocious. So I, I'm wondering, I don't know if this is true, but has he been hurt the entire time? But yeah. any it's scenario. Three different injury instance. Yeah. Yes. So, but any path that got the Angels to the postseason this year included Trout, Rendon, Otani staying healthy all yes. year, I think. Right. And then, and then they had to get lucky somewhere. Right. This is a team that's just, I guess, other than Bundy last year, you could argue. When was the last time they really just, got lucky. Like somebody just came on and had this unbelievable out of nowhere season. I was just John lackey. I mean, it's really? been a while. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I just, was just talking to exec the other day. He was, you know, bemoaning his, his organization. He works in, he's in player development. He's, you know, we've just, you know, we've not done well developing pitching. It's like, at some point, don't we just get lucky? Right. I mean, we're, you know, you can reevaluate your process all you want, but like when you're bad, when you've just had guy after guy after guy get hurt or just not pan out often for reasons, you know, for what appear to be random reasons, eventually everyone gets lucky somewhere. And the angels seems like they have been, it's been forever say what you want about their process or drafts or whatever. They've also just not found a guy like that. I don't know if the Phillies ever got lucky in the last 10 years, (laughs) you know, or the Orioles or the Rockies. I mean, like luck is, is it is designed because you prepared well and you Mm -hmm. made good, smart decisions and some teams just haven't done that. So they've turned over their management and hopefully we want teams to do well. We don't want teams to be a joke. So I'd like to see these teams do better. If you're listening to the show and you're a fan of the Orioles, I'm not rooting against your team. I want your team to change. <laughs> That's what I want. Cause it'd be a more competitive Why do you baseball. hate the Orioles, Eric? You hate every team. I know That's you do. You, Where's my you apparently hate this country too. You're rooting for Japan on Sunday. But uh, I, I, I think it's, um, it's a better sport when look, NFL football has more parity. All right. Any team can win most of the time and a year. 
Baseball doesn't have that. We, we already know almost every playoff team right now, except for the NL East and maybe yeah. the Yankees. That's about it. There's not a whole lot of drama these final eight weeks. Well, that was the sad thing about the trade deadline for me is that you had teams, you know, it's fine. The Cubs did the right thing by selling strategically from, from a long-term strategy perspective. They did the right thing. Um, from a baseball perspective, well, that stinks, right? You'd rather yeah. a market where there just aren't that many teams selling. No, I mean, Cleveland kind of, they sold. And I know people ripped them. They, they sold only, to save money. Right, but they weren't making the playoffs. And St. Louis sure. adds Jay Happ and John Lester. And I'm wondering why do you even bother if you're not right. going to make the playoffs, you're not going to take this seriously, don't bother. Um, they should have sold better parts. I'm not sure if they had a lot to, to sell off. But baseball is better when there's more teams in a race. We have the wild card now. And there's very little, I mean, unless the Reds catch the Padres, the NL East is the only thing in the National League. And the American League is just all about the Yankees and Jays. And yep. whether they can catch Oakland, because I think the Red Sox and Rays are too far away and good for the Red Sox and Rays. They built properly. They had plenty of starting pitching. And, you know, the Yankees, you know, were just hoping that Michael King would work out. And it's, you know, that that doesn't work. So, you know, I'm rooting for Andrew Haney to do well, but I don't expect it, you know. Yeah, they're in uh, they're in an unenviable, unenviable position. Too, with the Yankees where like they, you know, Corey Kluber for a minute looked like he was working out, but he broke down. DV Garcia should have had some role with them. Somebody changed his delivery. He's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Clark Schmidt still hasn't pitched this year. He's rehabbing, but he has not actually, you know, he should have been somewhere on the major league staff at some point this year. You know, you keep blaming people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I've noticed. So like you've already said a couple of times. Should I blame you? Well, it's not my fault, but like it might blame be Keston Kura for not hitting. Blame Davey Garcia for not pitching well. This Phillies-Scott Kingery thing is ridiculous. It's not the Phillies' fault that Scott Kingery is bad now. It's Scott Kingery's fault. Nobody forced him to uppercut swing, and playing multiple positions did not ruin a player. People do it all the time, okay? But still, people are giving, are blaming organizations for the failure of some of these players when they should be blaming the players. You, you could foresee Keston Hura burning out. He was a terrible defender who only tried to hit home runs, and you could see that happening. I don't blame the Brewers for him. I just don't. And, you know, for some of the pitchers, like certainly when like a pitcher leaves Baltimore, like Jake Arrieta did, did and, was, and he's great. Okay. The Rays, they fix all these pitchers, pitchers who got released like Matt Whistler. And he, now he's their closer. But I don't, I don't like to blame organizations for the fall of players because I just don't buy it. I don't think Mickey Moniak was going to be a star on Tampa either. That's just, it's just the way things go. Scott Kingery, it's his fault. It's not the Phillies for making him play three different positions. It's not. Right. But don't you think the Phillies have asked a lot of players to do things they're probably not capable of doing? Like Scott Kingery couldn't play shortstop. He could never play shortstop. Yeah, but you're you're implying that ruined his bat, and I don't buy that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Think, I mean, we don't know. They're people, they're humans, they have feelings. But I don't think Scott Kingery failed at the plate because Gabe Kapler made him play shortstop. I just don't believe that. I won't believe that. Um, yeah, the, you know? the I mean, the way they mishandled J.P. Crawford, who, of course, got somewhere else and went somewhere else. He's and fine. To be a much you know, better but player. Look, you know, Gabe Kapler is a good manager now, whereas two years ago mm-hmm. he was he was a joke. Oh, they blew his way not, out of Philly. It's not yeah. that simple, people. OK, you Gabe sure? Kapler is not doing anything different than he did in Actually, Philadelphia. I think the problem is Philadelphia. Of course it is. It's the That's actual city. Yes. Well, it's not the city. It's it's the organization. But and, and look, you know, I like the team, but I don't like what they've done. And I'm actually rooting for Gabe Kapler to do well because I think he's a nice person. I like talking to him when I, I interviewed him. And I love what he's done with the Giants. He didn't build the team. Okay, somebody else did. Farhan did. But good for the Giants. They're still ahead of a $250 million juggernaut Dodgers <laughs> team. The Giants. And now Giants aren't, you know, it's not an Orioles salary cap either. 
but mm-hmm. good for the Giants. That's good for baseball when teams like that, the Rays and the Giants do well. I would love it, to see the Rays and Giants in the World Series for that reason. I fully admit I don't care about the manager of the award. I think it's stupid. And I, I voted agree. on it um, a couple times. But is Gabe Kapler not the obvious manager oh, of the year? Oh, my goodness. He has right? to be. That team, you look at, if I just showed you that roster, if I went back in time to April 1st and showed you the Giants roster, no stats, no standings, what are you saying? They're a 500 team? They're a sub-500 team? Yeah, of course. I mean, that did not look, I mean, I don't know what the projections were, you know, exactly, but it wasn't a 500 team. And, you know, all their starting pitchers were in, like, contract years. The bullpen, Mm -hmm. you had no idea. Rodgers, how is Rodgers doing this? Or Jake McGee? Um and and Buster Posey bouncing back. This is one of Buster Posey's best seasons ever. Posey, Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria. It's like the zombie Amazing. giants. It's 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 fun to watch. Darren Ruff. Darren I mean, like, Ruff. Darren I love Ruff, Darren Ruff. Former, former Phillies. Not I was gonna say prospect. He was like twenty six in double A. Hey, he prospect. hit like forty homers at Reading, and not everybody does. Well, everybody does. That. No, most but people yes. hit thirty homers in Reading. Dylan Cousins, remember him? Oh, Who's now yeah. becoming a hockey player? Oh no, he's becoming a football player or a basketball player. Oh, he was built um, like one. He might, might but football might be a better fit for his skill set. Good, good for Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I don't. I agree. I don't care about the manager of the award, but he is the manager of the year. Good for him, and I hope they continue to do well. Now, in two years, they're the Cubs and Giant uh, Cubs, and you know. And nationals, but you know, enjoy. I, I was a little surprised Bart's still there because Buster Posey's not retiring anytime soon. And they have Patrick Bailey behind him. I actually exactly. brought that up on a San Francisco station. Was Bart the guy you could trade? Maybe they just decided we're not dealing any of our major, major prospects. They well, they couldn't get the they couldn't get the Dodgers package because obviously right. the Dodgers aren't trading with them. Right. But they could have gotten something, you know, and and Joey Bart was it was a valuable piece that they held on to. Like I wonder if Bart could they put Bart out there this winter and say, no, we're good. By the way, I just to step back for one second. So I pulled up uh, our old friend Clay Davenport, formerly a baseball prospectus, because mm-hmm. I knew his preseason projections would still be up. And on March 30th, his projections had the San Francisco Giants going. Do you want to guess how many wins? I'm gonna say 75. Oh God, you're close. 76. Yeah. 76 and 86, projected. fourth place in the in the NL West. And that would have been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelfth in the National League, yeah. not in playoff position. And that's that was reasonable at the time. Yep. But if you were, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I I think that's a good call. I mean, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. a good call. I think the Cubs were kind of similar. We thought that the Cubs were not that good, and then the Cubs. That's how it can go badly. You know, it's amazing yeah. the mo- small margins here where the Giants can be this good and the Cubs could be that bad. The um. You know, if you're in Farhan's shoes uh, going into this winter, though, let's assume they're making the playoffs, right? Who knows what happens, where exactly they finish, how far they get in the playoffs. But whatever it is, this is a playoff team now going into the offseason. And I would imagine it is, let's keep it going, right? We're on the ascendant. The farm system is getting better. There's no, you know, enough of these guys are coming back next year that you can um, think of yourselves as contenders in 2022 or should at least be planning on it. Yeah. Do you put Joey Bart out there and say, we're looking to fill, I don't know, pick pick a hole on that major league roster. Maybe it's just starting pitching because it's always starting pitching. But we will trade you, Joey Bart, who is an everyday catcher for somebody in 2022. And for five years past that, we will trade you this guy to get an anchor for the rotation, say. Do you do it? Um, do you put I, Joey Bart out there? I do. I think if you can win a World Series, and they won three in, what, five years? You can do that. You, you, you unless you if, you if you can't remember, just ask their fans. They'll remind you if you can move. Like, see, the other thing is they can move Buster Posey to first base. Yes. So I'm not sure Bart is the one they want to move. 
mm-hmm. you know, because because Posey has a team leader and all that stuff. But I do think um, if you have a chance to win, you trade the prospects because they've got a lot. They've got the little short stuff coming up later on. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of good stuff, the Giants, to win. And if, if, if any team says, oh, I'm not going to try because the Dodgers have a juggernaut. Well, just look at the Padres and Giants. They're trying yep. and it's working. And either or both of those teams can still pass the Dodgers because stuff happens it's during happens. a season, yep. whether it's Cody Bellinger becoming unplayable or mm-hmm. your $40 million starting pitcher becoming out of baseball. Stuff yep. just happens. That's why baseball is awesome. And baseball is awesome, actually. It is. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah. Have you been to any minor league games? I know you live close to me, live close to what Trenton yeah. doesn't. Really Lehigh Valley. Anymore, Look, so. Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs is still a great show. It's great food. It's a lot of fun. So I, I like to patronize them. I mean, Trenton Thunder's near me. Um, so, you know, Reading is still fun. It's a really good old ballpark. Yeah. Um, Frankly, it's a lot more fun going to minor league games. And yeah, it is I love it. Big league games. You know, I had some of Boog Pals barbecue recently. That was great in Baltimore. Oh, very nice. The team wasn't, but it was fun. Did I, you just call Baltimore a minor league team? No, I didn't. But you hate them because you hate everybody. This so, is true. This is true. Yes. You should work on that. Yep. I've only been to Wilmington, Aberdeen. Um, where the hell else did I go? Somerset. Getting old. You're forgetting. I am forgetting. I am right. Old. I saw I saw your report from Somerset. I, I sleep deprived. Is that what it is? <laughs> um, look, minor league baseball is great. And it was interesting what Major League Baseball did to minor league baseball over the past year. Mm. But I do think there's a pathway to it working out. Obviously, they need to pay the players more. And so mm-hmm. they can afford House their them. food. Yeah. You know, obviously, the story you got on your site right now about that is un- from Brit is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I, everybody should be reading that. But um, minor league players are not treated well at the lower levels. And uh, I hope it works out because I do like going to minor league baseball games. And sometimes your children can't tell the difference. And it's a lot cheaper. Right? <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Well, I, to me, I, I've actually brought my daughter along to a couple of Blue Rocks games. Obviously, they're local. She likes mm-hmm. going to the games. She wants to know about the players. She wants to ask what I'm looking for. And I just find the atmosphere at a minor league park. I'm, I'm, this sounds bad. Like we're dissuading people from going to the majors. But the minor league games are very relaxing, even though it's work. I work more at a minor league game than I do in a major league game. If I'm at a major league game, it's like we know who most of these guys are. I'm looking at two or three of them. I go to a minor league game. When I was at, when I went down to Aberdeen, there was five, six guys I was trying to keep an eye on. 
at any given time, mostly hitters. But then I was running back and forth from one side to the other to try to watch hitters in the open side. Freaking Greg Jones is switch hitters. So that doesn't help matters. And so he can really run, by the way. If you want a I've guy heard. who might steal 60 plus bases, I don't think he can hit, but he can really, really run. Well, he should uh, have been born the, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, if he was, he would have been like a top five pick in the 80s if he were drafted in 1980. Yeah. Because, yeah, oh, yeah, because he was a shortstop, not a very good one, but he could stand at shortstop and he could really run. But I just find the atmosphere at the minor league parks, and particularly this year, maybe it's because they're just kind of less crowded for various reasons, but it's just very relaxed. It's very chill. So I can go to a game like that and just, yeah, it's I'm working, vibe. but it's, it's a good vibe. vibe. Yes. I love the vibe. Yes. It's, not, it's not better or worse. I mean, major league, it's competitive. It's a different product. It's a different product. They have different goals. But in yep. a minor league game, it doesn't matter if Aberdeen wins today. It matters yep. if their prospects stay healthy and perform well. And I like that too. I think there's room for baseball fans for major and minor league baseball. So please yep. go to both. Okay. Um, but it's just a different vibe. That's all. Yeah. I really wish they would bring back. I mean, we lost a couple of teams near us too, right? Trenton is no longer an affiliated team, became a draft league team. Well, no, they had it's Buffalo. Not, well, the Blue Jays are playing there now. They they move right. Isn't Buffalo back in Buffalo because the Blue Jays are back in Toronto? I think they're leaving. Yes, or they yes. might have. But for a couple months, yeah. I, I yes, got to Buffalo was there. playing there for a while, which was good. Um, no, it was there. It was fun. Yes. I yeah, we lost uh, State College, which I hated driving to, but it was an adorable little ballpark right on the campus there. Morgantown, West Virginia, had a club right. in that short seat. Just wiping out the Penn League entirely. Uh, took a bunch of really cool little stadiums and cool little towns with it. And I don't really, but but to, you got to make money. I mean, like if you're not making money, I can see why Major League Baseball did this. You have mm -hmm. to shorten it so that every team is profitable because ultimately that's the goal. And no, none of these Major League owners want to lose money. Right. So the minor league system had to be changed. Was it changed properly in a timely manner? Maybe not. But mm -hmm. I do understand why some of these old stadiums couldn't support teams anymore. It does make sense to me. I sure. may not like it, but it makes sense. Gotcha. So what are you working on now? Are you all football? Are you just like football? Football starting well, soon. I mean, football is obviously very big in this country. Maybe you've noticed. And it big at my company. Maybe I'm more of a rugby guy. Well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you are. But uh, I, uh, we're doing football and baseball right now. And uh, somebody like me, I do all the sports. I'm probably the only guy there who does them all. I do basketball as well. So I, I'm very versatile. I'm the Kurt Bavakwa of our company right now for fantasy. And uh, it's working out well. So it's football time. The season starts in a month. Baseball, I haven't forgotten it. We still do a podcast twice a week. Myself and Tristan H. Cockroft. It's a mm. lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you take your victories where you can. Let's put it that way. I'm having fun. I'm content. It works out. So uh, who do I need to take first in my fantasy water polo draft? You said you do all the sports, right? I don't do and that I've one. I've been watching water polo. Water polo oh, that you'll be, watch. Water polo should be a professional sport in the United States. I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> that sport is nuts. That is a, it is. It's a lot of fun. A lot of these Olympic sports that I've really enjoyed this week. I just watched a wrestling match where an American won. And I was like, that was a lot of fun. And I mm -hmm. didn't know anything about wrestling. He beat a guy from Iran or Iraq. It was a lot of fun. Um, the Olympics are great. I'm enjoying the Olympics. I'm enjoying baseball, basketball, um, you know, and then it ends. But it's a lot of fun to watch. I agree with that. I can't, I can't tell you your water polo rankings, though. I can't do that. God, you got to work on that. So. Oh, I will. I will. It's, it's on my list. My guest today has been the great Eric Carabell. We used to do a podcast together a long, long time long, ago. Long, long time ago. We yeah. are old. I wasn't even 40 yet. <laughs> I wasn't even 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Follow well. Eric on Twitter at Carabell, K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L-E-R-I-C and read his work over it. My former employer at ESPN. Eric, thanks for joining me. Keith, you're awesome. Have a great day.
Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.